0: Well, good morning. morning. Leviticus chapter 23, beginning at verse 33 this morning. Hard to believe that these eight weeks have flown by, and this is our last of our worship series messages from the book of Leviticus chapter 23. While you're turning there and finding that place, I know Mike already mentioned this, but I just want to personally say, too, as the pastor, to all of you, thank you for just stepping up and just helping out so much yesterday, whether it was here at church, whether it was at the Jackson home, whether it was setting things up, cleaning things up, preparing food, whatever. You're just a wonderful, loving, caring church family, and that comes across. And, uh, I just want to say thank you to all of you that made uh, yesterday, you know, possible. So today's our last message from the book of Leviticus. And we said that God was sharing these appointed times with his people. These were God's timeouts. This was God saying to his people, I want to regularly meet with you as a community of believers. I don't want to just have a one-on-one relationship with you. I want to have a corporate relationship with you as well, where I come in, I move in, and I do something very special when my people come together to worship me. So I want you to set these times aside. They are holy. They are sacred. They are special to me, and therefore they should be a priority, and they should be special to you as well. But today, we come to the Festival of Temporary Shelters. It is the most celebratory one of all of the seven festivals from Leviticus 23. In fact, we're going to see in just a moment, they partied for seven days. This, this was, I mean, if God's people were ever going to, you know, get excited and enthusiastic and worship the Lord, it wasn't just for an hour, it wasn't just for one day. God said, I want you to come together for seven straight days, and, and I, I want you to celebrate and rejoice in me. Why? What, what is the foundation? What is the inspiration? What is the motivation even for us today that we can gain from this festival in order to sort of fuel our own worship of the Lord corporately and individually? Well before we get into some specifics I just want to share some things about this festival as well. Notice again verse 33 the Lord spoke to Moses Tell the Israelites on the 15th day of the 7th month is the festival of temporary shelters for 7 days to the Lord. The word shelter could also be dwelling place. You could use the word booth that it's translated at and many uh, you could use the word tent. We'll talk a little bit more about that. But notice that this festival was like a couple other festivals. If you go over to verse 39, notice through Moses, God said to his people, you must celebrate this as a pilgrim festival of the Lord for seven days. And then he repeats this in verse 41. You must celebrate it as a pilgrim festival for the Lord for seven days, reminding them that they were sojourners, They were pilgrims. They they were just passing through. And just like they did in the wilderness, they they were just temporarily in this state or in this season. They were moving on to something better. God always had something better prepared for his people. Obviously, in this specific case, it was the promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And God said, "I, I don't want you to stay there. I want you to keep moving with me because I always have something better prepared and planned for my people. The best is yet to come. And as I've said many times, even in context of other messages, let's remember as Christians that whatever pain and suffering and trial and tribulation you and I go through on this earth, it is the only hell you and I will ever know. You see. So temporary, okay? Okay. <laughs> nothing permanent about anything on this earth. It's all just temporary compared to the glory that will last forever. And that was to be instilled in God's people even back in the Old Testament. Another thing you'll notice about this is that their worship of God wasn't just to make an impression or impact upon them, just as ours is not just to make an impression and an impact upon us that it is to be such an impression an impact upon us that it spills over and makes a difference in other people's lives, too, especially those coming after us, those succeeding younger generations. And it's something you and I need to be conscious of as well. Notice verse 43. You must observe this appointed time so that your future generations may know that I made the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God, so that future generations may know. See, what we do here even today, just like they did back then, we don't come just to worship God for our sakes. We are to be living in such a way and worshiping God in such a way that we understand it is to be making a difference and making an impact and an impression on the generations to come after us. What are we handing off to them? What kind of worship are we handing off to them? What kind of adoration and love for the Lord are we handing off to our succeeding generations? And it's not to be something that's just done at the family parental, grandparent level, obviously. Obviously, it takes place within the home, but it's to be done corporately as God's people, that we are to be passing on to future generations what God means to us and what our worship means, and to be instilling in them the priority of worship so that when we are gone and we're with the Lord in heaven, they have that great foundation from which they can worship God from as well. It's like passing a baton or passing the torch to someone else, and God wanted his worship of his people to always have that in mind, that we're not just here for ourselves, but we're here to build a lifestyle and a community of worship that we can pass on to succeeding generations. One final thing, as I told you, this is the most celebratory of the festivals. Unlike the other festivals that lasted only for a day or a short amount of time, notice in verse 40, on the first day you must make for yourselves or take for yourselves branches from majestic trees like palm trees, because in Psalm 92, verse 12, the Bible says the godly are like the palm tree. You are to break this off. You're to use these leafy trees and these willows, and you must rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. I'm just going to say it. Some of you have a hard time coming for an hour (laughs) and worshiping God. Can you imagine worship for seven days? waving those palm branches as a wave offering and really getting into worship. And notice God says, you must. You must rejoice. We're going to see why in just a moment. But God calls his people to worship him and to rejoice and be glad in him. That's exactly what we see over in the New Testament, right? Philippians 4.4, Paul says to the Philippian Christians, rejoice in the Lord always. Oh, and if you missed it the first time, and again, I say rejoice. Paul says that should be our life as God's people is to be rejoicing in the Lord. In 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Paul told the Thessalonian Christians, always rejoice. We don't necessarily always have the opportunity, if you will, to worship or to rejoice in our circumstances. But God doesn't call us to rejoice because of our circumstances. God does say, you always, as my people, have the foundation and the opportunity and the ability to worship and rejoice in me in who I am and in what I am to you and what I have done for you, you see. That's why God's people can always be in a state of rejoicing and be glad in spite of the circumstances because we have a God and we have a God who loves us. We have a God who died for us. We have a God who's preparing a place for us. We have a God who wants to spend all of eternity with us. We, we have a God who has richly blessed us with every spiritual blessing that there is, who's elevated us to seat, uh, sit with Him in the heavenly realms. I, I mean, we could go on and on. And today we're going to look at another reason we can rejoice in God. And that is because He is our shelter. He is our refuge. He is our hiding place. He is our security. He is our safety. He is our protection. That's what the festival of temporary shelters was really all about. Again, look at verse 43. This was because I made the Israelites live in temporary shelters when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. Now, originally God intended for his people to pass through this part of the wilderness on their way to the promised land. Let's remember that. But, Because this generation was faithless, because this generation did not believe in the promises of God, they wandered around in that wilderness for 40 years until that unbelieving generation died out. And even then, God still was his people's refuge, hiding place, protection, And security. Even though they were faithless toward God, God was never unfaithful to them. That should be an encouragement to all of us today. God doesn't base how He treats us and how He takes care of us on how we treat Him, you see. And so in those temporary shelters, they they were literally like little, just temporary tents that the Israelites would erect as they traveled around the wilderness. And the reason why God then wanted this generation who had come into the promised land and succeeding generations to celebrate this for seven days by building themselves these little, you know, lean-tos, these little shelters, these little shacks to live in, was because they were to be a reminder that God protected them, provided for them, was their safety, was their security, was their refuge, was their hiding place, all those years while they were traveling around in the wilderness. Even though they were exposed, because when you think about the wilderness, think about even in our context, you're thinking about the remote desert. You're thinking about where there's nothing around, And where there's so many, you know, critters and creatures and, and things that could, that could come and, and, and happen to us out there in the wilderness. The wilderness was a foreboding image. And yet God is saying, even in the wilderness, when my people were most exposed, I took care of you. You were not exposed because I was with you, you see. And you and I need to be reminded of that as well, because, like I said last week when I was sort of introducing this message for this week, there may be times in our life, and certainly recently, where we feel exposed. We feel out there. We feel vulnerable. And God wants to remind His people. As long as I am with you, you are never vulnerable. You are never exposed. I am your God. I will surround you. I will protect you. I will shelter you. If I did it with my people in the Old Testament, who literally were in a wilderness, and and, and they were even faithless towards me, if I was faithful to them at that moment, and I am a God that does not change, then, then I'm just the same today towards my faithful people, then why do we not trust him to take care of us today and to be our safety and our security no matter what you and I go through or what we face today? And that's why we should always rejoice in the Lord. So what I'd like to do for the rest of our time this morning is I'd like to take a travel through some of the Psalms today. Today. And here's what I'd like to do as we go through these psalms today and these passages. If you're a person who marks your Bible, if you're a person who memorizes verses, if you're a person that uh, meditates on verses or whatever, I would encourage you, if nothing else, to write these verses down and to really spend some time, again, meditating on these and referring to these in the days ahead that they hopefully will be as an encouragement to you as much as they've been to me these last several months that I've even been preparing for this message today. And if you're inclined to mark your Bible, I would certainly mark these verses. And if you're inclined to memorize Scripture, I would certainly encourage you to use some of these verses to memorize and to commit to memory so that they're in your heart always. I want to start out in Psalm 27. Psalm 27 this morning and all of these passages deal with God as our shelter God as our shelter notice in Psalm 27 beginning in verse 4 I have asked the Lord for one thing this is what I desire I want to live in the Lord's house all the days of my life so I can gaze at the splendor of the Lord and contemplate in his temple. Well, that's a great desire, right? But thou notice verse 5. He will surely give me shelter in the day of danger. Literally, he will hide me. He will cover me. And by the way, in the Hebrew, it even almost speaks of God camouflaging his people. That's interesting, isn't it? Can God camouflage his people so that others cannot, like, get? Yeah, God can do that. He can cover us. He can hide us. He can give us shelter. In the day of danger. In fact, another interesting thing as I studied this is those words in verse 5 also can refer to the lair or den of a lion and and can even be used of God's lair, if you will, for his people. And think about it. How dangerous is it for anybody to walk into the den of a lion? I don't know too many people that like to do that, right? Because we know... That lion, she's going to protect her den and her cubs, right? God is saying the same thing, only take it up how many, you know, degrees to his people. He says, I'm the lion of the tribe of Judah. I'm your lion. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to hide you in my den. And and the only way something or someone's going to get to you is if I allow it to come into my den, And if I do that, as God, in my wisdom, there's a reason why I'm allowing that to touch you. Otherwise, I've got you covered, and you need to trust me in that. Notice he says, he will hide me, conceal me, shelter me in his home, in his hiding place. He will place me on an inaccessible, rocky summit. He will lift me up. He will raise me up. He is my support. He is my defense. He is the refuge of his people. God wants us to recognize and acknowledge that. Is God our shelter today? Do we truly trust him to conceal and shelter and hide us from the dangers around us? He wants us to because he wants to be the security and safety of his people, just like he was. Remember, they were in the wilderness. I mean, I don't know if you've ever seen pictures of the wilderness that God's people were in for 40 years, but even today, I wouldn't want to camp there. I wouldn't want to be out in that area of Israel. No way. I mean, it's out in the middle of nowhere, nowhere. And, and you're exposed. There's no shelters around, but God wanted his people to build a shelter around them as they traveled, as a reminder that ultimately they're not protecting themselves and they're not watching over themselves. God is watching over them at all times, and his presence is continually with his people. Look at Psalm 31, beginning at verse 19. The psalmist writes, how great is your favor, which you store up for your loyal followers. In plain sight of everyone, you bestow it on those who take shelter in you, who literally are seeking refuge in you, God, who have hope and trust in you as their safety and as their security. I hope that describes all of us here today that we're not seeking shelter or refuge in anything or anyone else other than God, because who would be a better or greater shelter and refuge than God himself? God wants us to place our all of our hope and all of our trust and all of our confidence in him. And then I love verse 20. You hide them with you. Wow! God isn't just promising his people, oh, listen, you know, I'm going to put you over here and then I'm going away and then I'm coming back. No, he's saying, I'm going to hide you and I'm going to be there too. Because God never leaves his people. He is always present with them. And he even said to us today who believe in the Lord, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. So even if you may... Feel in some way like God is not near, he's you know drifted away or something. That's not true. That by faith, we need to understand God is right here with us. In fact, God has placed himself even in us, so there's nowhere that you and I can be, nowhere that you and I can go where God is not as well because his Holy Spirit literally is carried everywhere you and I go. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You hide them with you where they are safe from the attacks of men. You conceal them, verse 20, in a shelter where they are safe even from slanderous attacks. No wonder, then, he says in verse 21, the Lord deserves praise, for he has demonstrated his amazing faithfulness to me when I was besieged by my enemies. Sometimes you and I feel things pressing in. God was there. And he was sheltering us all the time. Look at Psalm 34, beginning at verse 4. We could begin at the very beginning. I love this psalm. Verse 3, magnify the Lord with me. Let's praise his name together. Speaking about, again, corporate praise, community praise. We're not just worshiping the Lord individually. We're worshiping him together as God's people. But then notice verse 4. I sought the Lord's help, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all my fears. Let's stop right there. Several things. The psalmist writes, God delivered me from my fears. God is really the only one that can truly deliver us as human beings from our fears. In other words, deliver us to a point where we literally have no fears. We can walk through life fearless. And notice, the psalmist doesn't say, God can deliver me from some of my fears or most of my fears. Again, the word all means all, and that's all all means. And so the psalmist is saying, do you believe that God can deliver you from all your fears to where you can walk out of here today totally fearless? Fearless. I know some of you have brought some fear into this room today. I know that because I was there one day. And I can also stand before you and testify to you that my God, your God, delivered me from all my fears. I am able to live fearlessly, not because Jeff Royce is such a strong person or such this or such that, I am able to stand before you without any fears in my life because God delivered me from all my fears and if my God can do that for me he can do that for you he can do that for those of you that are watching today he can do that for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord our God has the power to deliver us from all our fears how great would it be even for God's people to live one day without any fear I can tell you something. Even at my age now, <laughs> at my old age right now, I, yeah, I, I feel better. I tell people this all the time. I feel better in my late 50s than I did in my late 30s. You know why? Because in my 20s and 30s, I was carrying around a lot of fears in my life. And that's why another thing that's so important is where we are spiritually affects us emotionally and physically. And many people are suffering today. Many of God's people are suffering today physically because they've not let God do the work that he can do in their life and deliver them from those fears that continue to weigh and put stress even on our body physically. Physically. Look at verse 5. Those who look to him for help are happy. Their faces are not ashamed. Literally in the Hebrew, they looked unto him and became radiant, is what it says in the Hebrew. I love that. You look to God, and it literally changes the countenance on your face. People can tell when we're looking to the Lord. They can see it. They They might not be able to actually articulate it, But they can tell that there's a difference because we're looking to the Lord for our help and to be our security and our safety and our shelter. This oppressed man, verse 6, cried out, and the Lord heard and saved him from all his troubles. And then I love this. The Lord's angel camps around the Lord's loyal followers and delivers them. It says camps. It means the the angel of the Lord, which, by the way, was a pre Bethlehem appearance of the Lord Jesus Christ, it says he literally pitches his tent around God's people. The festival of shelters is even in that picture. We have a little tent. Well, guess what? The angel of the Lord pitches his tent around our tent. So the only way something's going to get into our tent, it it has to pass the angel of the Lord tent first because he camps around the tents of his loyal followers. No wonder, then, the psalmist says in verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Take, take a moment and experience how he can be trusted and relied on and depend upon for your shelter, for your safety, and for your security. How blessed is the one who takes shelter or seeks refuge in him. Well, let's move on. Psalm 46, verse 1. Psalm 46 Verse 1, God is our strong refuge. Not just a refuge, strong refuge, meaning sufficient shelter. There is no stronger refuge than God. There is no more sufficient refuge or shelter than God himself. He is to be our hope. And then he goes on to say he is truly our helper in times of trouble. He's not only our hope, he's our help. And he is always available. That's what it means by he truly is our helper. He is always available, always accessible to his people to help us, to assist us, to support us in times of trouble. You're in trouble? Turn to the Lord. There's no better help than the Lord's help. Let me ask you a question. He goes on to say that even... If the mountains were to tumble into the depths of the sea, I know things can get bad sometimes, and I know even in these last several months here on earth and all of that, we can say things have gotten pretty bad. Have you seen any mountains tumbling into the sea? I haven't. And yet the psalmist says, even if you saw the mountains begin to tumble into the sea, just trust God. He's got you. He's got you. We can get so shaken by the things that we hear and see going on around us because we have gotten our eyes off of the Lord and we've stopped for even maybe a moment trusting and hoping in Him to be our shelter and security. And all of a sudden, these other things become bigger than God does. No, God is our strong refuge. He is truly our helper in times of trouble Go to Psalm 61, Psalm 61. And by the way, I just picked out a very small amount of passages, even just in the Psalms, that talk about God as our shelter, our refuge, our hiding place, our security. There are so many of them throughout the Bible. Why do you think that is? because even God's people sometimes have a hard time trusting that he's got us. And God has to continually remind us, trust me, if I took care of my unfaithful people in the wilderness, in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere, and I took care of them for 40 years, in fact, I even took care of them to the point where instead of having them go hungry, I sent this supernatural food down from heaven straight from me called manna, and I made sure that they had enough to eat every day. I don't know about you, but all I can say is, wow, God. God doesn't even need, because he's God, he doesn't even need, he didn't need to like bring in some animals or something in the wilderness so that they could kill him. No, he just sent supernatural food down that just fell from heaven. That's how God will take care of his people if we trust him, you see. Psalm 61, verse 3. Now, you know what? I'm going to start in verse 2. Because notice, the psalmist says, from the most remote place on earth, I call out to you in my despair. So think about it. whatever and Whatever is the most remote place you can think of, Talk about off the grid. Talk about out there. The psalmist is reminding us, God's still there. That there's no place in the universe that God created that somehow we get beyond God's radar and God loses track of us. God never loses track of his people. And no matter where we are, God is capable of taking care of us even in the most remote place on earth. That's our God. Lead me then to an inaccessible, rocky summit. Verse 3, indeed, you are my shelter, my refuge, a strong tower that protects me from the enemy. I love that because that reminded me of Proverbs 18.10. The Lord's name is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are set what? Safely on high. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. I will be a permanent guest in your home, literally in the Hebrew, in your tent. (laughs) I will find shelter, seek refuge in the protection of your wings. God is the protector of his people. So the psalmist ends verse 4 with the word selah. It means stop and ponder that for a second. Stop and think about that. Don't just keep on reading. Stop for a moment. These verses reminded me of Deuteronomy 33, verse 27. The everlasting God is a refuge, and underneath you are his eternal arms. Love that. The everlasting God is a refuge, and underneath you are his eternal arms. God never stops having us in his arms. His arms are always underneath us. No matter what we go through, no matter where we're at, he's got his people. Wow, what a God. Well, turn with me then to Psalm 118. I'm going to take you one more place today. I know we've done a lot of traveling, but they did for 40 years too, so we're still good. And again, the reason I wanted to share all these is not only because they just keep reinforcing the whole idea of God as our shelter, and how he provided and protected his people even during their wilderness wanderings and why then for successive generations he always wanted his people to build these little shelters and be reminded of how he provided and protected for his people all those years while they were in the wilderness. But so it could be an encouragement to them even in their present condition, no matter what it was, that the same God who watched over his people then is the same God who watches over his people now. And you and I can take encouragement and heart from that as well. And that's why God says, I want my people to come together for seven days, and I want you to rejoice and be glad in me because I'm the same God who will shelter you today. I'm the same God who will watch over you and protect you and be your safety and security today. Look at Psalm 118, verse 5. We'll begin there. In my distress, I cried out to the Lord, The Lord answered me and put me in a wide open place. Let let me say a couple things. Distress speaks about closing in. You ever feel like at times in your life, like things are closing in around you, like, like there's pressure coming from all sides? And then he says, oh, but the Lord answered me and put me in a wide open place from being or feeling constricted. God can deliver us and help us to breathe again so that we don't feel like we're being sort of, you know, pressured in there, constricted. He's picturing deliverance from the stress and pressures of life and of many enemies here in verse 5. Then he says in verse 6, the Lord is on my side. I'm not afraid. What can people do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. Therefore, I look in triumph on those who hate me. And then he says, it is better, it is advantageous to take shelter or to seek refuge in the Lord than to trust in people, all oh, my friends. Then he says, it is better to take shelter in the Lord than to trust in princes. I have even Christians who are trying to encourage me to put my ultimate trust in people or leaders, and I'm telling them, no, no. Now, I'm not going to trust people. I'm not going to trust leaders. I'm going to trust God. God is my shelter. God is my security. God is my safety. Even men are just, and women are just the best of men and women. They're still human. Only God can ultimately be our safety and security and our trust. Then he says, verse 10, all the nations, that's a lot, right? That's everybody in the world. I don't know about you. I've never felt like all the nations were surrounding me. I might have felt like a lot of people were surrounding me and pressing in on me, but not all the nations. So here's what he says: All the nations pressed in or surrounded me. Indeed, in the name of the Lord, I pushed them away. They surrounded me. Yes, they kept pressing in around me. They were persistent, but indeed, in the name of the Lord, I pushed them away. They surrounded me like bees, but they disappeared as quickly as a fire among thorns. Indeed, in the name of the Lord, I pushed them away. You aggressively attacked me and tried to knock me down, but the Lord helped me. He surrounded me. He protected me. I want to go back to this. Because from verse 10 through verse 12, it reminds us that you and I, as God's people, are never at a loss. Never at a loss, no matter what we're dealing with. Because why? Because we have the Lord. And in the name of the Lord, we can, through the authority that God gives us, say, whatever is coming against me, whatever is pressing in on me, whatever is causing me fear and anxiety and stress and all of that, I can tell you I am pushing you away in the name of the Lord. Get behind me, Satan. And these verses actually even reminded me of that great story out of Acts chapter 3 where Peter and John are walking up to the temple and the lame man is there. And Peter gets him to look at him in the eye. And he says, young man, silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get up and walk. And he did. The name of the Lord is powerful. And God is saying to his people, I got you. I'm on your side. You're my people. If God is for us, who can be against us? So I want to teach my people that in the name of the Lord, you and I can push whatever is pressing in on us and causing us angst and fear and stress and anxiety. We can, in the name of the Lord, push it away. So let's do that exercise just a moment today. Would you say after me, in the name of the Lord, Lord. I I am pushing that away. You might have to do that several times a day. But I want you to learn to do that. I want you to learn to do what the psalmist did is when things are pressing in around you and when you're feeling constricted and when you're feeling like the world is closing in around you, I want you under the authority that Jesus Christ gives you as one of his children to say, in the name of the Lord, I am pushing you away because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And God, you are my shelter. You are my security. You're my safety. You're my hiding place. You're my refuge. Look at verse 14. The Lord gives me strength and protects me. He has become my deliverer. So notice this last phrase I want you to look at this morning. Verse 15. They, God's people then, corporately, as a community, celebrate deliverance. Where? In the tents of the godly. Taking us right back to the festival of tents, booths, shelters. Where do they celebrate deliverance? In the tents of the godly. Because the godly understand, I have nothing to fear. And my Lord can deliver me from all my fears, because he's my shelter. And there's nothing I can go through There's nothing I will ever face. There's no one I will ever face. There's nowhere I can go on this earth that God does not have me, that God does not surround me, that God is not my hiding place, that he's not put me in his own lair, in his own den as the lion of the tribe of Judah. And there's nothing going to get to me unless God allows it to get to me. And if he does, he's got even a more eternal significant reason for it to come into my life and be a part of my life than if he kept it from me, so I just need to keep hoping and trusting in God and knowing that whatever you and I will face, we never need to be afraid, we never need to feel exposed, because even when we feel most exposed, we're never exposed because God is surrounding us as his people. It's time to celebrate deliverance in the tents of the godly. Would you stand with me? We'll pray, and then we'll spend some time praising the Lord who shelters us today. God, thank you for reminding us, God, that our safety, our feeling of safety and security does not come from anyone or anything on this earth. It comes from you alone, God. And that we, as your people, are to look to you alone. We are to trust in you rather than people, to trust in you rather than princes because only you can do for us what no one or nothing else can do. Only you can be with us 24-7. Only you can be with us, God, wherever we are, no matter where we are. Only you, God, are stronger than any other force in this universe. And even if all the nations were to turn against every one of us, God, in the name of the Lord, (laughs) we can declare, I'm pushing you away. You have no authority, no power over me because the only power and authority that anything on earth has over us is the power that we as God's children give to it. And God is saying to his people today, stop giving power and authority to things other than me in your life. Let me deliver you once and for all from all your fears so that you can live every day fearlessly and not carry that weight any longer on your shoulders. Let me hide you in my hiding place. Let me hide you with me so that once and for all, you can feel totally safe no matter what. God, we want to celebrate you today because there is much to celebrate. We might not be here for seven days, but for these next few moments, we are together as your people, God. We're going to give it everything we've got. We're going to shout to the Lord. We're going to sing to you, God. We're going to to say to you, God, thank you from the bottom of our hearts for being all that we need in this life and beyond, God. We are so fortunate. We are so blessed. We are so grateful to you, God, for who you are and how you care for us and love on us and watch over us no matter what we go through, God. May we not be a faithless people, God. May we trust you like never before. Even if things get worse on this earth, God, even if mountains were to fall into the sea, God, we will hope and trust in you because you've got us And you'll never let go of us. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.